48. Okay. I thought it was done around 40. So um, he's, he's born again. Well, I found a guide to knowing whether or not you are middle-aged. By the time a man is wise enough to watch his step, he's too old to go anywhere. Middle age is when you have stopped growing at both ends and have begun to grow in the middle. A man has reached middle age when he is, when he is cautioned to slow down by his doctor instead of by the police. Middle age is having a choice of two temptations and choosing the one that will get you home earlier. You know you're in middle age when you, have, when you realize that caution is the only thing you care to exercise. Don't worry, don't worry about avoiding temptation. As you grow older, it will avoid you. Well, well, we know that there's a whole lot of things around us that are speaking to us. Last week, we looked at the fig tree that was speaking to, to Jesus, and Jesus spoke to the fig tree. The Word of God tells us that He answered and said to the fig tree that uh, sometimes our situations are speaking to us. But too often, we just sit back and we let things be spoken to us. We don't answer them. We don't continue to, to do anything ourselves. And so we have to make sure that we do that. We started a new series last week on doubt. Looking at the topic of faith, but start looking at doubt because it's real easy for us to doubt. We find it hard to believe. So what we need to do is to change our focus on doubt. Because believing and doubting, as we looked at, is just having faith on one side and doubt on the other. So we just want to make sure we focus on keeping the doubt on the right side. If you doubt the right things, you'll believe the right ones as well. So we just got to put our, our doubt in the right direction. So often we've been working on putting our belief in the right area and we're just trying to get rid of the doubts. But you know what? Sometimes we just need to get out there and say, yeah, I'm going to doubt that. And so we, we talked about last week that we're going to create out of all of you a bunch of doubters. That every time we see something that's not right, we'll say, I doubt that. Everybody's in practice right now. I doubt that. See, it's okay to be as a Christian to doubt things. It's just not okay to doubt the Word of God. It's just not okay to doubt what God says, what God commands. It's okay to doubt. You can have doubts all the time. But we've got to have the right kind of doubts. So we looked at some, some truths last week from Mark chapter 11. And we'll get back over to there as, uh, as time goes on. But uh, we want to look at, at choosing some things because if we're going to doubt the right things and believe the right things, then we need to make right choices. And we need to choose the right things. The first thing that's over in 1 Kings chapter 13, we need to choose to obey. We need to choose to obey. 1 Kings chapter 13. We're going to begin at verse 1. You can turn there or you can look up on the screen, whichever you prefer. And behold, a man of God went from Judah of Bethel by the word of the Lord. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. Then he cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord. Behold, a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David, and on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and men's bones shall be burned on you. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar shall split apart, and ashes on it shall be poured out. So it came to pass, when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, who cried out against the altar in Bethel, that he stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Arrest him. Then his hand, which he had stretched out toward him, withered so that he could not pull it back to himself. The altar also split apart and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the, the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. 
Then the king answered and said to the man, Please entreat the favor of the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God entreated the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him then became as before. Now this is an interesting passage here. Jeroboam, of course, is the king that when the kingdom was split in two, he was the first king. God said, Jeroboam, I'm going to pick you. I'm going to give you ten of the tribes and I'm leaving the rest over here for David. They're going to stay in his house. And so Jeroboam took them. And as soon as he took the throne, he began to say, he began to hear words. Things were talking to him. And he said, you know what? The house of Israel is eventually going to get tired of me and they're going to go back to the house of David. And when they do that, they're going to kill me and they're going to wipe out my family. So here's what I'm going to do. As long as they keep going up to Jerusalem to worship the Lord, they're going to, have keep, they're going to keep having reasons to look to David in the house of David. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to no longer go up to the house of, uh, of uh, to, to Jerusalem. We're no longer going to go up to the house of the Lord that is there. From here on out, I want you to go here. And he set up one place in Dan and another place up in Bethel. And he said, I want you to go to these two places and this is where we're going to worship. And he began to set up his own fast days or feast days. And he made priests of a, out of every tribe in Israel. And basically he altered the entire religion that they, uh, that they had. The whole system that God had set up with the priests from Levi, all these things, he totally altered the whole thing. And so then God said, well, I rejected Jeroboam as being king. And so he sent this prophet as a, as a uh, word to prophesy over him. Now, Jeroboam's fears, it's really in- interesting to keep an eye on this, his fear was that the children of Israel would leave him and go to the house of David. Here comes the prophet. And the prophet says, one shall be born to the house of who? David, Josiah by name. And he said, on this altar, this is what he's going to do. And he began to pronounce the things that he was going to do on this altar. What that tells him is that the place that he was speaking, the the place that he was standing, was eventually going to come under the house of David again. And so he's about ready to say, I knew it. I knew it. I knew they were going to come out there and, and, and throw me out of here. I just knew it. I was right. Well, now they are because God said, I'm not going to make an adoring house out of you. We're going to knock you out. And Josiah was born. But what a, what a word. What a prophecy. Can you imagine that? Talking about not only somebody who's not born yet, but here they're going to be born. Here's their name. And this is what they're going to do. And that's over an area that they don't have rain over right now. So that's a pretty hefty prophecy. And so he came on in. He had signs and wonders that were going to happen. And those things did occur. And Jeroboam was uh, mad. And he's ready to kill him. But then, his, of course, his hand got all, all uh, withered and such stuff like that. So... He decided to have a change of heart. He asked him to entreat the favor of the Lord, and he did. Then the king said to the man of God, Come home with me and refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. But the man of God said to the king, If you were to give me half your house, I would not go in with you, nor would I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall not eat bread nor drink water, nor return by the same way you came. Now, this can be hard for a man to do because generally when we go someplace, we have mapped out the shortest possible way to get there. Isn't that right? So you've already mapped out the shortest possible way, the way with the least amount of traffic. Hardly any traffic, least amount of traffic anywhere. This is, this is good. This is where we want to go. And, and now you've got to go home another way. This is, this is probably hard for him, but he's going to do it anyway. He's going to go ahead. We're going to... We're going to leave this. We're going to come back another way. And so he says, no, I can't eat anything here. Can't drink anything here. I can't even go home the same way. And he told them what was happening. Verse 10, so he went another way and did not return by the way he came to Bethel. Now an old prophet dwelt 
in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that, had, that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. They also told their father the words which he had spoken to the king. And their father said to them, Which way did he go? For his sons had seen which way the man of God who, who came from Judah. Then he said to his sons, Saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he rode on it, and went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And then he said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he came to him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I cannot return with you, nor go in with you, neither can I eat bread nor drink water for you in this place. For I have been told by the word of the Lord, You shall not eat bread nor drink water nor return by the way you came. He said to him, I too am a prophet as you are. I too am a prophet as you are. Let me ask you this. Should you believe someone who comes up to you and identifies themselves as a prophet? The last series we just finished. What does the Word of God say? By their fruit you will know them. Not by their words. We don't know people by their words. We know them by their fruit. Words you can make do anything you want to. But fruit is harder. So he came to him and said, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. He was lying to him. Now we might think that maybe an angel did show up, but a a wrong angel did show up, except that the word of God tells us he was lying. An angel showed up. Told me it was okay. You're supposed to come back with me. So he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. Now it happened as they sat at the table, the word of the Lord came to the prophet who brought him back. That's the old prophet. The lying prophet. And he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the command which the Lord your God commanded you, but you came back, ate bread, and drank water in the place of which the Lord said, Eat no bread and drink no water. Your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. Now, how would you like to be this old prophet? I mean, why in the world does God use him? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you want to ask that question? Why does God use this lying prophet? Well, no one else was available. <laughs> right? There's only two guys here at the table. The disobedient prophet and the uh, old prophet. He was the lying prophet. God had to pick one of them. Thank God he uses us. How many of y'all know we all have faults, we all have shortcomings, and he uses us anyway? So he used this guy. And, uh, but could you imagine being the prophet? You just deceived this guy to come on back, and now you're going to tell him you're going to die because you didn't obey. And the guy said, you told me. <laughs> you told me to come back. You said it was okay. Verse 23 is puzzling to me. So it was after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk that he sat on the donkey for him, the prophet whom he had brought back. So here's how it kind of goes. This is how I picture this thing going. We're in the middle of the meal and in the middle of the meal, the word of the Lord comes and so the guy stands up and he gives the word to the man. You're going to die because you didn't do this, 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 and this. And then he sits back down. Can you pass the bread? Oh, I like some butter. Can I have some butter? Is that real butter or is that spread? You know, I, I want the real... You have any more water? Can I? Say? And they just go on with the meal. And then afterwards, let me go out and help you with the with the saddle and the donkey. Or help me put that on there for you. You know, you got a long uh, long trip on your your way home here. Let me help fix it up. And all right, we'll see you later. All right, we'll see. I mean, what is that? <laughs> if a guy stands up and gives you a word, I lied to you, brought you here. Now you're going to die. How many of you are saying, you know what? I'm leaving now. <laughs> this, this is it. Unless he's thinking, well, this is my last meal. May as well get the most out of it that I can. I don't know what we're thinking. When we get to heaven, you know, this isn't a first day question. 
but you know, d- down the road, eventually we're going to get to this question. We can pull up the prophet and say, what were you thinking? Why did you stay and eat? Why did you sit there and finish? What was in your, going in your mind? No, I thought, but we don't know right now. So when he was gone, a lion met him on the road and killed him. Now, don't take that literally. Lion didn't come up and says, hi, how you doing? I'm lying. I understand you're the prophet. Yes, I am. Okay, well, I have to eat you right now. The lion met him on the road and killed him. And his corpse was thrown on the road and the donkey stood by it. The lion also stood by the corpse. Now, that's a real weird sight right here, right? We got a corpse, we got the donkey that he was riding, then we got the lion. The lion apparently wasn't too hungry because he doesn't eat the corpse. He just kills him. And he's not real, real hungry still because there's a donkey right there, but he's not eating the donkey either. There's some weird things that happen when donkeys are involved. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, you've got a donkey rebuking one prophet at one point, just talking to him, you know. <laughs> and here we got the lion, the donkey, and the dead man. Instead of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, we have the lion, the donkey, and the dead man. <laughs> Maybe I'll make a movie about that, right? <laughs> and there men passed by and saw the corpse thrown on the road and a lion standing by the corpse, and they went and told it in the city where the prophet, old prophet dwelt. Now, how many of you... If you are walking on the road, now understand the roads that they have back then, they're not real, real wide, and don't have big dividers and stuff like that between it. You're walking on the road, and here's a, oh, there's a little donkey. There's a lion sitting next to the donkey. How many of you keep on walking on the same road? You know, just keep on, the lion say, hey, lion, how you doing? Nice lion. I see you uh, already are busy today. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you do with that? <laughs> walking on by? Yeah, there's a lion down there. And you, maybe you pass somebody the other way. Hey, you know, you know what's going on down there? There's a lion. I mean, how many times have you ever driven around here and people flash the lights and let you know there's a police officer? You know, slow down. Well, what do you do? You know, you, you can't flash your lights. Maybe it won't even mean anything to anybody anyway, but you're, you're coming on down. There's, there's a lion up there. Be careful. Oh, okay. What was he doing? He's just sitting there. Sitting right next to a dead guy. And there's a, there's a donkey sitting next to him too. Man, this is weird. And they probably went on, go, go, kept on going on because they're thinking, that, that guy had to be pulling my leg. There, there's no way. There's no, there's no lion sitting next to no donkey with a dead guy. And sure enough, they came upon it and they found it. So word gets it back to town. This old prophet finds it. He hears about it. And so he comes back and he takes the corpse. And the uh, verse 29, the prophet took up the corpse of the man of God, laid it on the donkey and brought it back. So the prophet came to the city and mourned to bury him. Then he laid the corpse in his own tomb and they mourned over him saying, Alas, my brother. And so it was after he had buried him that he spoke to his son saying, When I am dead, then bury me in the tomb next to my wife. Next to my father. No, next to the man of God. The one that I deceived, brought back and because of me, he's, he's dead. Because he was doing just fine until this whole prophet came along, wasn't he? He did everything just he's supposed to do. He's going back. He was, he was on the home stretch. He could make it. For the same which he carried out by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the shrines in the high places which are in the cities of Samaria will surely come to pass. After this event, Jeroboam did not turn from his evil way, but again he made priests from every class of people for high places. Whomever, whoever wished, he consecrated him, and he became one of the priests of the high places. And this thing was a sin of the house of Jeroboam, so as to exterminate and destroy it from the face of the earth. Now this word got around town. Do you think it got to Jeroboam? You know the guy who prophesied against you, he's dead. And a real funny thing happened on, on the side of the road. That didn't move Jeroboam. He still kept on, on going on. But this prophet had a choice, didn't he? 
His choice was he could choose to obey. The word of the Lord came to him and said, this is what you need to do. Does it take faith to obey? It does. We have to have faith in order to obey. The only reason that you obey is because you have faith in it. The reason that we obey speed limits is because we have faith that somewhere lurking behind the sign or overpass is a police officer with a quota meant to make. And we don't want to be part of that quota. But if we ever get to a place where we disbelieve that the police are out today, what happens? (laughs) It takes faith to obey. The man of God was given a directive from the Lord. He obeyed it. He was standing before an unrighteous and powerful man, wasn't he? The king, all his, uh, all his, uh, generals, all his, his, uh, higher ups, all his officers. He, he came before all of them and condemned all of them for the way that they were going. He performed the signs as God instructed. He spoke the word God had given him. And he resisted temptation and invitation. A king invited him to come back to the palace and eat. You know, he's not sending out the Burger King. He's a king. It's going to be a good meal. But he didn't go. Nope, nope. This is the word that came to me. And so he had the word from the Lord. And then some things happened. Another prophet came and identified himself. I'm a prophet just like you are. Just like I'm a prophet too. And an angel came to me and told me that you can come back to my house. Now, first of all, folks, if you have the word from God... A word from an angel doesn't doesn't work. We try, how many of y'all tried to pull this with you, with your parents at home? If your mom or your dad said something, don't do this, and you know you got permission from your sister. Well, she said I could. <laughs> no, I mean it might sound good, but it's not it's not holding water. Didn't hold water for me. Probably didn't hold water for you. No, it's not going to work. No, the word of mom and dad trumps the word of the sister. The word of the brother. Not gonna, not gonna come out there. There are two forces that come against us to destroy our faith in God's word and raise up doubts. We were talking about this, I think, at the men's breakfast. We just, uh, my wife and I just heard somebody, uh, I think Pastor Bob from, uh, Tulsa, he was talking about this. He says there's only two things that come against the church. Only two. Thank God. Only two things come against the church. The first things are things from within. The second is things from without. So the only two things you ever have coming against the church are things from within the church and things from without the church. That's it. Nothing else. Just the stuff from within the church and the stuff from without the church. Isn't that good? We only face two battles. Glory to God. (laughs) Just stuff from within and stuff from without. (laughs) That's pretty much everything, isn't it? (laughs) And this is what this guy had. He faced the battle of the things without with the king. Jeroboam. And all the, all the people that were there. And he faced that battle just wonderful. But then he had a battle from within because somebody identified himself, I'm a prophet. And he didn't do so good against that one. So the man resisted the first very well, but not so much the second. You can see the same concept with Moses at the burning bush. Moses at the burning bush, and God says, I want you to go and deliver my people. And Moses comes up with an excuse. I don't want to do it. I, I, you know, I can't do it. I've, you know, I've been out of the... Out of the uh, savior business for a while. Can't really, uh, don't really want to get in. Kind of retired. You know, it's like 40 years ago I was into that. And um, haven't really been developing those skills. 
don't, I don't really see myself as qualified. And God says, no, 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 you'll be fine. Well, you know, I, I can't talk all that well. All right, you know, we'll send there Aaron. He'll help you out. And, and, uh, and then finally, Moses gets down to it and says, look, I just don't want to go. Find someone else. I don't want to do it. And God says, that's it. Now you, now you, now you pushed me too far. I said, go. <laughs> we, we can choose to obey, but it takes faith. Anything. And God finally got him to the spot that says, you know what? Staying here isn't good. If I stay here, it'll be worse for me than if I go. And once he got to the point where he believed that, then he, uh, all right, I'll go ahead and go. And he went ahead and go and did most of the talking anyway. Aaron did some, but he did, he did most of it. There is, there's a choice we have to make, and that's a choice to obey. The reason that we do not obey is because we doubt something and we believe something else. The reason that I don't obey the law is because I doubt that the police officer is out there. Or I have a car and I doubt they can catch me. That could be a factor too. You've got a uh, real souped up vehicle and you think that you, you can get why Some people kind of think that. Whatever it might be, we doubt the consequences will come our way. And as long as I doubt the consequences come my way, well, I'm going to go ahead and do that. How many times have we doubted something, though, that God said? God says, don't do this. And we did it anyway. What did we do? We came up with a reason. Just like this guy did. Well, you know, the old prophet came in there, identified himself as a prophet. And he told me this, and so I went on back with him and ate. I mean, we all know that that, that that doesn't work so well. How many have we seen spy movies? And you know, there's spy movies out there. And all the spy movies, they steal credentials. And, and they flash them. You know, here's my credentials. Yeah. This, this is what I'm doing. You know, we were, uh, my, my son liked that one movie, I've, I've, uh, Catch Me If You Can. I don't know that I saw the whole thing. I saw parts of it here and there. But uh, he was like that one. And I, I saw the one part where he had this really thick wallet that was filled with labels from soup cans and ketchup things and stuff like that. And, uh, and he used that as his credentials. And he handed it to the officer who was ready to arrest him. He thought he was the guy. No, 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 I'm, I'm on his tail too. And, and he gave him the big long excuse and he, he let him hold the wallet. And after a while, the guy was waiting for him to come back to the room, taking the stuff down to the squad car. And he didn't come back. And he began to look through the wallet and there's all these labels and stuff like that. He faked him out. False credentials. How many times, you know, you see other guys in the, and it works in the movies. I don't know if it works in real life, but it works in the movies real, real well. You grab the plastic, uh, star, looks like a police officer thing, and you stick it on your wallet and you just flip it real fast and, oh, okay. Don't just believe some of these credentials because they tell you. Look at the fruit. And if God has told you to do something, don't let someone else tell you differently. But we have that going on. You know, God has told us some things in His Word, but you know, the girlfriend was so cute. No, nope, we can't do it. There, there's no one who trumps God. If God says, thou shalt not, don't do it. Choose to obey. That's a choice we have to make. I have to have faith in God to obey His Word. And that's one thing that we need to do. Uh, we have to choose to trust. In Matthew chapter 14, immediately Jesus made His disciples get into the boat and go before Him to the other side. And while He sent the multitudes away, when He had sent the multitudes away, He went up in the mountain by Himself to pray. Now when evening came, He was alone. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you 
on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased and those who were in the boat came and worshipped saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Verse 30, again, But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. A lot of times we think of Peter looking down at the water, looking down at the waves. But the Word of God says he what? He looked at the wind. I would think that somewhere along the line he probably looked at the waves too. But here it's focused on the fact that he looked at the, the wind. He's focusing on the wind. How many of you have ever been out in a storm with nasty wind? Is it pleasant? It is not. Now, the, if you look, watch some of the uh, weather stations, uh, and, uh, like the Weather Channel and some other things like that, they are fascinated with wind. Absolutely fascinated. If a hurricane comes through, they will, you know, they'll take the reporter and they put them outside. And the wind is blowing 60 miles an hour. And the guy is getting rain whipped in his face. And stuff is blowing and could take him out at any minute. But we got the camera and we got the guy. Because in order for us to really believe that the hurricane is happening, we need to see somebody in the wind. I may not believe that this is going on. Oh, wait a minute. Here, look at that guy. He can barely stand. All right. That's, and, you know, they, they keep going out there. 90 miles an hour. And they'll tell you how nasty it is and how much it hurts to have the rain being pelted against their face. And they're wrapped up as much as they can. You know, they got gloves on. They got the hood and it's closed up. You just see this little hole in the face, but the rain is coming in. It's pelting their nose and their eyes and, and their, their cheeks, everything you can get at. And they're, they're squinting. It's hard for them. And the cameraman is shaking. But every time that there's a hurricane, that's what they do. Now, last year, we didn't get any hurricanes that, that they could do all this with. So, you know, it was a very disappointing year for, for the folks at the weather station. You know, next year they'll come back and they'll predict another 20. And we'll get two or something like that and we'll just keep on going on. Oh, but that's, we've we got to have somebody out there. We need to have somebody in there. But those, that wind looks terrible, doesn't it? And, and you, you, sometimes they, they got to, so much to the point that they were tied down. They'd had rope going on to, to something metal, something that was in, stuck in cement. And it would tie on to them so that in case the wind did get them and blow them away, they wouldn't go too far. <laughs> and they'd get themselves on back. But wind is, is, it's nasty. We have had some strong winds up here, haven't we? And if we have high winds that come up here, what do we do? This is fascinating. Man, this is, oh, wow, look at that wind. Oh, that tree. I bet you that tree's going to get pulled right up. Yeah. <laughs> now, we don't do that, do we? We run inside. <laughs> We'd rather watch it from the inside and from a window. Or, uh, or if it's really bad and the wind is shaking, we'll go even further. We'll get away from the window. We don't like the, all that wind and all that stuff. You know what? Oklahoma, they have some wild weather out there. And we went to work. I think I told you the story a long time ago, but we went to work one time. Uh, it was a car dealership I was working at. And we went to, to in, the, in the morning, and it was, it was somewhere in the 60, 70 degree range. It was a nice day. We were in short sleeve for the day. And they said a storm was coming, and sure enough, a storm did come. And when it came, the temperature began to drop drastically. And the wind came up, and we, you know, a car dealership, big, big windows. 
Then the wind came and beat against the window so that the window was vibrating. You could hear the window vibrating. You could see the window moving back and forth. This is not fun because it's a big window. And if it goes, the wind is coming right through. But, you know, we had to stay because the car dealership had to stay open. So we, we did and the, and the temperature kept dropping. Then the storm kept coming in and the wind kept picking up and eventually it blew the power out. We had no power. And the, the, the storm began to precipitate but instead of rain, because we were just in 60-70 degree weather, we had snow. And it snowed all over the place. We had, we had accumulating snow. But yet we still stayed at the car dealership because you just never know when someone might show up to buy a car. <laughs> and we had no power. It was nighttime, but we're still at the car dealership because, you know, they don't pay us by the hour. They pay you when you sell a car. So you still stay there. So we're still there. We have no power. We have no people. And the snow is falling in Tulsa. Now, you all know what happens to people around here when the snow falls. You ought to see what happens to the people out there when it falls. They have this place called the Broken Hour Expressway, which has this big gully in between the one side of the road over here and the other side of the road over here. When you go through and it's snowy, lined with cars. I don't know how they don't hit each other. It looks like a parking lot of cars just going in all sorts of directions. Either they skidded off the road and ended up in there. They do not know how to drive in the snow. And so they're all over the place. But we're still at the car dealership waiting for, you know, the word that we're going to close. And uh, we haven't closed. Now, you know, we're just focusing on the storm right now. We're not really focusing on anything else. There's no power in the place. The window is still vibrating. And lo and behold, a customer drove onto the lot and none of us noticed them. <laughs> none of us. We, none of, nobody even noticed that they were there. And the, the, the sales manager, not the sales manager, the, the finance guy, he noticed that this couple was wandering around looking for cars. And I was the first one he was able to get hold of. And he said, it looks like they want to look for cars. We have no power. It's nighttime now. It's now dark. And the snow is still falling. And so I go out there and I talk to him and says, uh, you're here for a car? Yeah, yeah, we're here for a car. Now understand, in the car industry, don't go in the snow unless you're serious, please. You'll cost somebody their job. You really could cost somebody their job. If you go and you're not serious in the snow. If you're not serious and it's sunny, that's fine. But if you are not serious in the snow, don't go. Because they believe that if you come out in the snow, we have a shot at selling you a car. Especially in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so here comes this couple. And that we, they, we're going to show them there's like a four or five salesmen in the place. There's the finance guy and then there's the sales manager. And so uh, I got them. And so I take them on out. They would car, did you want to see? Well, we wanted to see a Taurus. And so we took them on out to see the Taurus. Now, there's no lights. And with the kind of weather we had, you really can't go out for a test drive. So how do you show the person the car? Well, we pulled another car out and we used the headlights from the other car to shine onto the car they wanted to see so that they could see the car. And so they could see that, and then we got inside the car, and so they could see the inside of the car. And so it was just me and the, and the two, the husband and wife that were there. We were inside the car. We are talking about the car. They said, yeah, this looks like a good car. This looks like a car that we would like to buy. And it is Tulsa, Oklahoma, and more than likely, you are going to get someone who's saved out there. And sure enough, the people that were there, they were saved. They were born again. And they say, well, we probably would like to buy this car. Uh, but, you know, we never make a decision on the spur of the moment. We always take it home. We pray about it. No, I perfectly understand that. That's, that's, that's just fine. And so I, I 
turned over to him. I says, look, I perfectly understand that. And if you want to go away and, and pray about this, that's all fine. But would you mind just following me on the inside and telling this to my sales manager? Because if you don't, I'll probably get fired. Because no one comes out in weather like this to look at a car and then leaves. And so sure enough, we came on in. And so now we you know they want us to, to draw up to some, some papers, you know, just give them an idea what it was going to cost for all that sort of stuff. So there's no power. And so we have one guy standing over here with one flashlight, another guy over here with another flashlight. We have flashlights. We're shining down on the desk. We're drawing. We're writing things up and, uh, and presenting. And the, and the people in there are saying, well, this is a pretty good deal, but we just want to, we want to take it home. We want to pray about it. And so you know, I report that to the sales manager. He said, all right, let me talk to him. And so the sales manager came in and he sat him down. And I came on in and warned him. I said, now the sales manager is going to come in. You just stick to your guns. You just do this. You just hold, hold that. That's fine. But he just wants to talk to you. And so sure enough, he came on over and he talked to him. He came on out there and said, yeah, you're right. They, they are going to pray over this and, and figure it out tomorrow and they'll come on back. Sure enough, they came back the next day. We had um, four or five inches of snow on the ground. There's a lot of snow for Tulsa, Oklahoma. They're not used to getting any snow in the ground. I was still driving my probe then. And I was one of the first ones to get there in, the, in that morning because I was not afraid to drive in the snow. And this, the probe was real low to the ground. And I hit a spot in the parking lot where it actually raised the, the car up off the ground and uh, spun the wheels and uh, had a rough fun trying to get it to, to move after that. <laughs> but anyway, they, they came on back. And uh, the next day we had, we had people who came on out to buy cars. I sold three cars that day. One of them to that, to that couple from the night before. <laughs> oh, but, but that was Sunday. But you know, when the wind comes, you don't really want to be on the outside, especially if it's cold, especially when there's snow and stuff like that. Wind, wind tends to make us a little bit more nervous. We don't like hearing that wind howl around the, the building. And, and Peter is out there on the water. The wind was blowing before he got out, but now he's out there on the water and he's thinking about the wind. Look at this wind. Wow, this is, this is some kind of wind. And the wind is absorbing his focus. Now, when Peter's walking in the water, understand this. Was he obeying the word of God? No, there's nothing in the Word of God at all about walking. Does the Word of God command you, Thou shalt walk on water? Do it! <laughs> it doesn't do that, does it? There is no place in the Word of God we are commanded, You shall walk on water. Did Jesus say to him, Peter, get out of that boat and get out here on the water? No, he didn't do that. So he's not, he's not disobeying a, a command from the Word of God. He's not disobeying, disobeying a command from Jesus. He just simply asked if he could. Jesus, can I come out there in the water with you? He just simply asked if he could. And when Jesus said yes, he trusted him. He asked if he couldn't trust Jesus. Is it all right if I come out there in the water with you? Yeah, come on. There's no command in the Word. There, there, there's no command for Jesus to come. He just, can I come? Yeah. Come on out. And when he started looking around at the, all this stuff, he started sinking down. Jesus said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Now, understand this. By our definition we're looking at now, Peter was a doubter when he was in the boat. Because when he got out of that boat, he doubted what he normally knew would happen would not happen. Because most time you step out of a boat onto the water, you know what happens next. He doubted that that would go on. Didn't he? So he was already a doubter before. He doubted that the normal reaction was going to go on. And Jesus just simply said to him, 
Why did you doubt? Well, what did he doubt? He doubted that he could walk on the water. He doubted that Jesus, what he said, yeah, come on out here to the water with me. He doubted it. He didn't doubt it before, but now he's out there in the water. Now he switched his doubts. Do you see that? He went from doubting that the normal thing would happen to doubting what Jesus said. And that's why Jesus pulled him up and said, Peter, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? What happened? What got into you? First, he was looking at Jesus, then his eyes looked at the wind. And it says he was afraid. He was afraid. He saw that the prophet had to choose to obey. Peter needed to choose to trust. Remember that song, Trust and Obey? But he was afraid. If we are going to get past the trust problem, we must overcome fear. You've got to overcome fear. You can't, there's a whole lot of things you cannot do if you do not overcome fear. How many of you were afraid to drive a car when you first started? How many could feel fear coming up? I mean, palms getting sweaty and all these other cars coming around. Fear came over you. You know, we used to, how many remember 309? They just finished all the, all the work on the uh, section up by us in Montgomeryville. But when that was going on and they had those barriers on either side and, you know, you had to like, one foot on this side and one foot on this side and you're driving on down the middle. And my son would say to me, he said, man, this makes me nervous. <laughs> this makes me nervous. Because he knew the day was coming he was going to be driving and he might have to drive on this thing. And, and you all know, there's nothing that prepares you for it. You can drive as a passenger with, and you've been on those roads, barrier on this side, barrier on this side. You can drive as a passenger all you want. Nothing prepares you for getting behind the road or wheel until you are Behind the wheel. Till you drive it. Oh, it can get you real unsettled and nervous. And, uh, you know, now he's, he's, he's doing things with his car that uh, he per feels perfectly fine with. But until you get out there, until you do it, we all, have, we all look at those things. We, oh, look at that. You know, how about driving over a big, long or high bridge? How many of you thought, oh, no, no. I don't know. No, not, not that one. One of the highest bridges I drove over. Oh, I love this bridge. It was up in Clark Summit. Anybody ever in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania? If you come off of the turnpike off of Clark Summit, they have this huge, huge exit ramp. This exit ramp, it, it towers above everything that is out there. And it just comes, taking you downhill on this exit ramp that is just way up there. There's a building that I stayed in. There's a, a three-story hotel that I stayed in that looked so small when I would look over the side as I was driving. Just a little tiny thing down there. And what was really neat about this bridge was as you drove over it, you know the concrete barriers, the, the ones they put when they have the construction going on? And they have those on the side to, you know, to, to keep you pinned in. They didn't use those on this bridge. They used these ones way down here, like a foot and a half off the ground. This is it. It's concrete barriers on this side, concrete barriers on, on this side. And it's the portable ones. At least I, if I remember, the, port, the portable thing on both sides. I'm driving in the truck. <laughs> I'm looking at this. That little sucker's not going to stop me. I can go right over that thing. This isn't a problem. <laughs> Another time they sent me on down in the truck and I had to go all the way down to um, uh, down south somewhere. And they, they said, you get to go over the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. 
I couldn't wait to get to the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. I was going over in a truck, but I didn't care. So, oh, I was, I'm looking forward to this one. That's a long, long bridge. And then you hit that spot and you go under the water. Mm. Oh, I was looking forward to that. For some reason, we had my wife and I, we both had to go down there. This time we were in a car. She was not looking forward to it to the degree that I was. <laughs> Just a little different on that one. But if you want to get to the, past the trust problem, we've got to overcome fear. We've got to overcome the fear. Because fear stops you from trusting. If you have too much fear of a particular bridge, it will stop you from driving over it. If you have fear of a certain condition in driving, it will stop you from driving in it. If you have fear of snow, you won't drive into snow. Because of fear. Fear keeps us from doing these things. Peter became fearful. What's interesting was, he wasn't fearful in the boat. But he was fearful after he's out in the water for a little while. He began to look at the wind. Something happened. You can be in one situation and it not cause you fear, not cause you fear, not cause you fear, and then all of a sudden it causes you fear. You can have financial situations that have come against you in the past and you've overcome them, overcome them, overcome them. All of a sudden you hit with one and fear rises up on the inside. Why? I don't know. <laughs> you could have overcome health issue after health issue after health issue and then all of a sudden one comes along and fear comes up on the inside of you. But I've... I've Done, I've overcome this and I've overcome this and I've overcome that. How come this one causes me to be afraid? I don't know, but you better deal with the fear. Because fear is the, is the open door for doubt to come in. The wrong kind of doubt. The doubt that says, I don't believe what God said. I don't believe it's going that way anymore. That fear can come in. And that's what we have to stop. Because we switch our doubts. We stop doubting that I can walk on water, or that I'm going to sink on the water, and we begin to doubt that I can walk on the water, or that Jesus is actually going to help me out here. Now, why do we fear? First off, we fear the unknown, don't we? We learned that one when we were kids. When you hear the noise, but you don't know where it came from. We fear the unknown. Some of you still haven't outgrown that one. Right? You hear a noise? Mm, what is that noise? <laughs> and our imagination goes wild. Because we don't know what the noise was. As long as I don't know what the noise was, it could be anything. Whatever I can imagine, it could be. How many times those kids, you know, they hear a noise and they say, oh, maybe it's a monster on the roof. What do you think? My money's not on that. No, but it's unknown. And if you say it's not a monster, how do you know? We go up and check. Well, I know it's not. You don't know. What is it? I don't know what it is. Well, then how do you know it's not a monster? <laughs> don't, argue, don't argue with kids' logic. So why do we fear? First off, we fear the unknown. Stuff that I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is. You can have a pain in your body and you don't know what it is and fear could rise up because of that pain. Fear could rise up. What could this condition be? The, you hear the news reports. That's why I tell you, don't listen to the news reports. They're not helping you. And they can tell you about the next flu that's coming up. I mean, last year, remember how much that, that flu is, is going to wipe out a quarter of the population? <laughs> it's going to, it's going to, oh, what this is going to do to people. It's, it, we didn't find out anybody who died from it. They started diagnosing people as having it and they didn't do any tests. Just because they wanted to get the numbers up. 
And eventually people stopped. They lost interest in it and so it kind of didn't become a news story anymore. But we fear the unknown. What was that other? That uh, uh, was it bird flu or some, some kind of thing that was before that one? And, and then SARS came up and we were afraid of that one. You know, half the population is going to die from SARS. We fear the unknown. It used to be, you know, if I don't know about it, it's not going to do anything to me. I don't know about it. When we were little, what was one of our tactics if we were afraid? To take the sheets and the bed covers and do what? Pull them over the head. Why? Because if I don't see it, it can't hurt me. <laughs> we get underneath the bed. We get in the closet. If I don't see it, it can't hurt me. But somehow we lost that. We're no longer in that spot anymore. Now, it doesn't matter if I don't see it or not. It can still get me. We fear the unknown. Some of you don't go in the oceans because there might be sharks there. You can't see them. You know what? If the shark is there and he gets you, you just go home earlier. What's the big deal? Go out there and enjoy the ocean if you want to. If you don't want to, then don't do it. Do what you want. But don't, don't do it out of fear. We fear the unknown. And then, here's the other one. We fear the known. We fear the unknown and we fear the known. I hear stuff that's going on. And I fear it. I hear about the economy. And I fear that it's going to affect me. I fear the unknown. And I fear the known. Because people are telling me about things. And I begin to fear them. We fear our future expectations. How many times have we expected something bad to happen to us? It's really easy to expect, expect something bad is going to happen to you. The reason that most people don't buy lottery tickets is because we don't expect it to work. But you can take something that happens less often, like being struck by lightning. Don't go out in that storm. You'll get struck by lightning for sure. Don't go out in that storm. You walk out in that storm, you know you're going to get struck by lightning. But the odds for getting struck by lightning, aren't they pretty similar to getting to winning the lottery? But that one's not going to happen. This one will. Don't go out there in that storm and that lightning, you'll get struck by lightning. You'll die. I've been out in many a storm. Thunderstorm. Haven't died yet. Our future expectations. How about our past inadequacies? If we came up short on a thing before, don't we fear it if it comes up again? Oh, well, that flu got me before. Well, that sickness and disease, that one got me before. It might get me again. And we begin to be afraid of it. We uh, fear what I see that is contrary. How many times do we see things that is contrary to what we are standing for and what we believe for? Don't we do that? We study in the Word of God and we find out if I get hands laid on me, the power of God comes into my body and I am healed. And so we, we follow the example of the Word. We get hands laid on us and um, for a moment we, we feel like something happened. And we go on out and the next day we wake up and Oh, did you feel that, buddy? That was, a, that was, I thought I was healed of that. And we begin to fear. Oh, I guess that's not, I guess that's coming back on me again. And then doubts come right in, me, right in there after that. What I see that is contrary. You cannot keep going on fearing what you see. You got to eventually stand up to it and say, you know what? No, no. No. How many times have we watched those movies with the bully? And you got the bully and you got the one that's being beat up by the bully. The one of the more common ones, one of the more popular ones we all saw was that um, uh, Back to the Future. You know, you got the bully who was Biff 
Is that his name? Biff, the big bully. I mean, he was a bully that everybody could, everyone could dislike. He just was a nasty bully. And you had the guy, you know, uh, he's picking on, picking on him all the time. And the character Michael Fox played, he come on in, he's trying to help him out, trying to get him to have some confidence and stuff. And until he finally got to the point where he would stand up to the bully, the bully kept picking on him. We got to stand up to some bullies in our life. Stop letting them keep on altering us and affecting us. If you wake up and you got pain in your body, speak to that pain. Jesus spoke to a fig tree. Speak to your pain. If you got financial things, don't just sit there and get worried about it. Speak to it. If you're fearing the economy, if you need something to come, speak to it. Instead, we're speaking about it. We get them out there. Oh, God. Oh, I know this one's taking me down. Oh, I know this one's not going to go on. So, oh, dear Lord. Oh, dear Lord. Who was that guy who used to be on TV? I'm coming, Ethel. Is that who I was? Fred Sanford, that's the guy's name, yeah. This is the big one. I'm coming. <laughs> oh, we keep speaking about it. Keep talking about it. Just quit talking about it. Just keep, keep giving life to the thing and it's going to keep pestering you. Stop giving life to the thing that comes against you. Yeah, but that's, but it, that's not how, how it is. doesn't matter how it is. Jesus spoke to a fig tree and it was healthy and walked away from it and it was healthy. We've got to start speaking to some things. There's no magical formula. We just have to decide to trust what is of God as much as we have of what is the world. We have decided there's a certain amount of trust we can have for what is the world. We've got to decide. I can have just as much trust for what is God's. If the world tells me you're going to die, do I trust God's word when it says you're going to live? When the world tells me, you don't know the way of salvation. Do I trust God's word when it tells me Jesus is the way? We have to decide to trust what is of God as much as we have what is the world's. And then, once we get to that point, then we got to get to the point where we trust what God says more. Because too often, we trust what the world says over what God says. And that will produce fear in you. That will produce fear. If you fully knew that what God said was coming about no matter what the world said, would you fear anything that the world said? If God told you, Steve, you're going to live until 75. You will not die until you're age 75. Over the course of that time, this and this will happen to you and this and this will happen to you. And I came to a place where I believed it. If God actually came down and said that to me, would I, would I fear death at 70? No. Would I fear death at 68? If the doctor came to me and told me, you have a terrible disease at age 60 and you're going to die, what would I say? <laughs> I'm afraid you're wrong, doc. <laughs> that's not, that's, if I believed it. But you see the problem comes in that God says something to us and we walk along, we go along with that and then all of a sudden somebody else comes and says something different. And we switch and we doubt what God said and we believe what the world said. And that's where the problem comes in. Numbers chapter 13 and 14. Israel was given the opportunity to move into the promised land. God wanted them to choose to advance. And they chose not to. They had the report from the ten spies. They had the report from the two spies. They had to decide to believe one of them and doubt the other. It was up to them. 
The ten spies said, It's a good land, but there's giants in the land, and they will kill us. And the two spies said, It is a good land, and God is well able to deliver it to us. You have to doubt one and believe the other. And they decided, as a whole, we're going to doubt the two spies. We're going to believe the ten. If they would have done it the other way around, they would have changed their history. But they didn't do it. We've got to believe the things that God says. There are times God wants us to advance. There's times that God needs us to trust. And there's times we just simply need to obey. But I've got to choose to do it. And it's all involved with faith. Faith is not just about getting healed, getting stuff, and getting money. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. I need faith because without faith, I won't obey Him. Without faith, I'm not going to trust Him. Without faith, I won't advance into the things that God is leading me into. Israel failed to enter here. Could be a whole host of reasons, but uh, probably they were more comfortable on this side of the river than what they saw on that side of the river. Even though they're not tremendously comfortable on this side of the river, they saw what was over there and decided, I'm not at all comfortable with that. Well, we'll stay there. They were afraid. Fear came up into them as well. They didn't trust God's intentions. We know that one's true because how many times did they say, God has brought us out here to kill us. Were there not enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out here? That's what they did. We need to choose to make some choices. We can either choose to obey. We can either choose to trust God. We can choose to advance. Or we can go the other way around. But if you want to have a walk of faith, if you want to have a walk that puts doubt in the right place, in belief in the right place, then we've got to obey God. We've got to trust God. And we've got to advance when God says to advance. Even if you think, I'm not ready to advance. I'm not ready to move out in the, in the prophecy. I'm not ready to move out in the teaching. I'm not ready to move out and get people saved and born again and filled with the Spirit. I'm not ready for that. And God says, move on. Let's go. Go over there lay hands on that person. Well, I'm not ready to move out into that yet. No. God wants you to. Have faith in God. Believe what He says. What He's told you to do in His Word, do it. Do it. Believe. Believe. Doubt what the world says. I want you to be able to doubt what your body is telling you right now. How many of you, your body is telling you something? I want you to doubt what your body is telling you. How many have friends and neighbors that are telling you something about money or the economy or where this world's going? How many have friends and neighbors that are I want you to doubt the things that bring fear. Just doubt them. If you were little and you doubted that there actually were monsters in the closet, wouldn't life have been easier? If you doubted that there are monsters underneath the bed, would life have been easier? If you doubted that you would fail English, would life have been easier? We're doubting the wrong things. We're believing the wrong things because we're making the wrong choices. Choose to obey. Father, I don't know what this has to do with anything, but this is what your word said for me to do and I'm just going to obey it. Choose to trust. You're out there in the water. 
everything's going fine, then all of a sudden you notice the wind's kind of blowing around me kind of strong. Choose to trust God, even in the midst of high winds. Trust Him. Then choose to advance. When God says, come on, let's move on. Let's go. Choose. to. All right, God, you said to do that. I'm not going to doubt you. I'm going to believe you. Let's go on. Would you all stand up with me? Susan went in prayer. Asked for prayer for her herself. If you got to a point in here and you said, you know what, I'm ready for prayer for myself. Because this is how we need to be with the things in the Word of God, folks. We don't just come and say, well, let's just give this a shot and see if whatever happens. You can come on up. Yeah, let's just give it a shot. Let's just see what happens. Just come out to church. Well, let's just get, I'll just go up. No, you can't do that. The reason that we do that is the same reason that a lot of times we stay home. Well, I just don't want to. I'm not feeling well. And No, come on. Now, I know that there's some things. I'm not talking about stuff that you, you, you're battling through and you can't even get up. I'm not talking about that. But we need to start working on getting to the place, folks, where we we look at ourselves and say, what does the Word of God say for me? Since if I get hands laid on me, I am healed. It says if I give this to God, God comes through. If I have a financial need, God comes through. Speak to your financial need. Speak to your physical needs. Speak to your body. Too often, folks, we're telling our body things like, well, that'll never get better. Well, I'll always have that with me. Come on, we've all said stuff like that, haven't we? Well, I guess there's no cure for that. I'll always have that one. I'll always be that way. I'll always think that. That'll always happen. I'll never get this. Are we speaking this thing to ourselves? We've got to stop that. We've got to get out to a place where we begin to speak life. When we begin to speak to the thing and stop going to God and complaining. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Help me out with it. Oh God, take this away. Oh God, do... no. Get out there and say, Father God, I'm going to do what your word said. I'm going to speak to this thing. Now fig tree, now finances, now health, now emotions, not depression. And we speak to these things. We're not going to let them rule over us anymore. They're going to try. Don't bullies try to rule over you. But they rule over you through fear. And the devil does the same thing. He's nothing but a big bully. Speak to it. You will not rule over me. Pain in your back. Yes. Yeah. And I'm making you stand up here all this time. Isn't that nasty of me? <laughs> Now, this is our time to speak to this thing. We speak to the... We don't have to go and beg God for healing. We speak to what is going on. Glory to God. We get ourselves to the point that says, I will believe that whatever I speak to will have to listen because the power of the Word of God is behind it. Not because I'm so good and you're so good. No, because the power of the Word of God is behind it and because God said to do these things. So we're going to speak to this back and tell this back to get in line. And the pain to go. In the name of Jesus. Glory be to God. In the name of Jesus. Right now we command. Pain you are gone. You cannot continue to go on in this body. Pain in the name of Jesus. You are not welcome here. Back whatever it is that is out. That is not right. In the name of Jesus. We command it right now. That you will get in line. That you will be right. In the name of Jesus. There is strength where there is weakness. In the name of Jesus. Whatever is twisted is straight. In the name of Jesus, whatever is inflamed is no longer. In the name of Jesus, this back is healed. Glory be to your name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God.
We speak to these things. Speak to them. Stop wasting your time begging and pleading with God. Do what the Word of God said to do. Speak to it. And if your situations keep talking to you, talk back to them. You don't take it from your kids when they talk to you in that kind of a way. Don't take it from your body. Don't take it from your finances. Don't take it from whatever it is that's going on around you. Speak to it. Speak to it. We're in the midst of football season. How many of y'all know that the two teams speak to each other? Don't they? They speak to each other. They're all the time talking to each other. They talk edifying words to each other. They talk different words to the other team. You're going down. I'm coming to get you. Right? Aren't they speaking those kind of things? Why do they do that? Because it has an effect. Speak to what is coming against you. And actively doubt its ability to have power over you. And then believe that what God said will come about. Glory be to your name. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the help that you give us. We are here in this life to be victorious. We are here to win. And not just to have victories for ourselves, but Father God, to be victorious over the things that come against us and to go out and to help other people have victory as well. Just as Jesus went about healing the sick, setting people free who were bound up, spent all his days going out there helping people after people after people, multitudes and multitudes. We're not here just to keep taking care of our own needs and keep going back and taking care of our own needs. Take care of our needs, they're out of the way. Now we go on and we take care of the, the things of others. That's what you've called us to do. And Father, we thank you for the help that you give us in it. That we will doubt the right things. We will believe the right things. That we can look at ourselves in the mirror and say, I am an effective doubter. I'm also an effective believer. And I believe and I choose to believe the things of God. I choose to obey. I choose to trust. And I choose to advance. In the name of Jesus we pray. Glory to God. Keep speaking to your situations. We want to hear some testimonies and some things you're speaking to. Expect testimonies. But speak to it. And don't counteract what you speak. Don't go up to somebody else who doesn't believe and talk differently. Well, I know that'll probably be around for a while. Oh, I know I probably won't have... No, don't do that. Don't do it. Talk to people. Whether they believe what you believe or whether they don't, talk to them in the way of victory. Talk to them in a way that you are expecting this thing to turn around. That's what we need to, to do.